Mike's Daily Podcast. I believe it's FF episode 1987. 1987. Wow, that was a fun year. Mike's Daily Podcast. That was White Snake, my friend. White Snake. Because here we go again. And people are singing about hair bands and how they're your friend. And what else happened in 87? There was uh, George Michael all over the place. Now he's in heaven. And there was, uh, oh, Julian Lennon. Mike's <laughs> Daily Podcast. Not really. Julian Lennon was more of a 84, 85 type thing, but... Yes, the son of John Lennon, so... Mike's... I think I've covered everything. Daily... I've covered nothing. Podcast... Madonna. That's true. Yeah! 87. 85? 86 was uh, True Blue. It had... That had La Isla Bonita. I think she's pronouncing that wrong. I'm not sure. There was Papa Don't Preach... There was uh, Live to Tell. Like a Prayer was not on that album. That one came out in 88, 89, that area. Yes, I know music. I know the 80s. I know 1987, 1987. Very good because, well, that's this FF episode. And that was the year that I was in college. I was a sophomore in college. I was driving a car to deliver chicken. I was delivering chicken to people. They would order it. Not online, because there wasn't such a thing for the general public. Oh my gosh, but that's right. So, okay, this guy, he owned this company, started it himself, where we took chicken and we we deep fried it. Although it was supposed to be some sort of healthier way we were doing it. I don't know, we were using better oil or it was it was more of a pressure cooker, less of actual deep fat frying. Not sure. And then we also had ribs, barbecue ribs, which we cooked in this oven humidifier thingy. And then I made a bunch of coleslaw. And here's today's podcast picture. Oh, how I love coleslaw. But yeah, we made a bunch of coleslaw and then uh, using, let's see, what were the ingredients for the coleslaw? Mayonnaise. Just mayonnaise. And we chopped the, the, the cabbages up. And that was my big summer job in 87. And I crashed my car as I was listening to Paul Carrick's Don't Shed a Tear for Me. My life won't end without you. Yes, because there was Mike and the Mechanics. He was in that band. And then he... Basil. I know, I'm going on and on about 80s stuff. 80s musicians. I know we need to go see Paul Carrick in concert. Oh, Basil. You have such great taste in music. So, yes, what happened was then... the Oh, we would deliver the chicken. But what I was going to point out about this man that ran this business that I worked for was he suggested to me, you know, someday they're going to be able to put music in a computer because if you think about it, music could probably just all be digitized and we could probably play it off of a computer. I don't know. He said something to that effect. There was, oh, and then he also was talking about like how CDs, because we had CDs at that point and how that's basically all digital. So computers, digital. And that man's name was Steve Jobs. No. I think his name was Jose. And Jose, I hope you got rich. 
I know this is so funny. So the very first time I was on the radio, actually talked on the radio. I I started interning in radio in '86, but the first time I actually got put on the radio was in '87, on the overnight. And I remember I called up my boss and I said, "Jose," I called him up. I said, "I'm gonna be on the radio tonight," and he went, "Okay." I was so excited he could care less. I had been bitten by the radio bug. And that's what happened back then in the 80s. Have I talked enough about 80s today? 87. Uh, there's so so much that happened that year. That so oh yeah, I crashed the car cuz I was listening to Paul Carrick and this guy pulled up from I was trying to make a left turn. And he came out of nowhere. He was parked on the side of the curb. And then all of a sudden he came out and hit me. And that was awful. Now, however, uh, my mom knew a guy or she knew of a, a repair place, body shop, body repair place. And we went there. She ended up becoming good friends with the owner of the body repair place. And we ended up hanging out with this guy a lot. We'd go. We went. Oh, that's right. We saw Phantom of the Opera with him And saw Les Miserables So I saw all your quintessential Late 80's musicals Thanks to crashing my car See there's always A silver lining somewhere Somewhere I don't know about with this whole uh, As we're at Cafe Anyway by the way Located somewhere in Podcastro Valley Yes Podcastro Valley The last place on earth This is crazy this whole Mm, primary thing We got a primary coming up soon here I think March 3rd Is it next Tuesday already? So, or, is it, or is it the following Tuesday? I don't know But this guy Tom Tomorrow He does this awesome cartoon And he has these two talking heads In the cartoon and they're saying Welcome back to the non-stop coverage Of the race for the battle of the nomination For the fight to potentially Become president Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? We want to know what's going to happen in the future now. Results from the Iowa caucus are finally out, more or less. It looks like Buttigieg probably won, or maybe Sanders. What are numbers, even? The important thing is for this small, unrepresentative state to retain its first in the nation to attempt to select a candidate through an inexplicably Byzantine procedure status. It's a political tradition. God, I hate that. To everything I just said, I hate it. There's a guy, Ken Rudin. He he's the, known as the political junkie. Sucks to be him. All he is so obsessed with politics. I was interested in politics for about five seconds back four years ago, all into this election with Hillary and Trump. As we go outside a cafe, anyway, we're bringing Mike's Daily Podcast somewhere in Podcastro Valley. The last place on earth I was so excited Four years ago And what happened The polls Had it completely wrong Everything was wrong All that chitter chatter I heard For the year leading up to it Was wrong Okay uh, Well If I can find Trump saying wrong I'll put it right there or, Or some other Trump drop What was that all about The talking heads go Ten Go on to say the following and continue Meanwhile The top story out of New Hampshire Is obviously that Amy Klobuchar Won third place And Mayor Pete Came in second Second and third place winners are always the lead story That's just how it works 
Still, it is troubling that Bernie Sanders finished two spots higher than the coveted third place finish, which according to the complicated vote counting rules in New Hampshire, technically makes him the winner. How can Democrats select an electable candidate if Sanders continues to get more votes? Fortunately, there's time for Mike Bloomberg to save the day. He has billions of dollars. All he needs now is a winning message and a groundswell of popular support. If he can overcome these minor obstacles, his victory is practically guaranteed. Yes, groundswell of popular support and a message, a winning message. Well, I've been getting a bunch of messages from Bloomberg lately. Thank you, Bloomberg. So he's trying to send out some sort of message and get that groundswell going. Coming up next, will Bernie's plans for universal health care lead to mass executions in Central Park? Socialism is a very slippery slope. First, these messages from Mike Bloomberg. Oh, is it really? Is it? Are we? Are we that scared of socialism? So my mom is. My mom comes from Germany. Came from Germany. Billions of years ago, it seems. No, in the early 60s. And then I was born in the late 60s. But she tells me, look, look at the look at the evidence. Uh, Europe has a bunch of socialistic countries and they're having all kinds of problems right now. And Americans, just by their sheer nature, just by how we were founded of trying to escape tyranny and escape kings and escape taxes... And wanna, we have the right to have guns. That's in our DNA. This whole making a sharp left turn, <laughs> as it were, and accepting socialism is tough for the majority of us. That's why it's going to be a race that I think it may, it, it may be close. I'm thinking, see, this is how people talk about politics, by the way. They throw the may in, could be. No one's ever saying anything definitive. No one's ever saying anything for sure. And yes, people want the future now. But what good is that? That's not going to happen. The unexpected is always going to happen. I can assure you of that in life and everything. So back to, uh, no, let's move on. How about this fascinating little, oh, I do want to, here's that little letter that Bloomberg sent to me. This was the first letter I got. And then I got about 50 other things. And it's from the desk of Mike Bloomberg. He says, Dear Michael. Wow, he calls me by my Christian name. As a three-term mayor of the biggest and one of the most diverse cities in the country, I know how to get things done. After 9-11, I was proud to help rebuild New York City. We brought it back by investing in more affordable housing, creating good-paying jobs, and expanding access to life-changing education. We also cut the number of uninsured people by nearly 40%, increasing the gradation, the gra- graduation rate rather by 42%, and expanded health care for working families in New York City. Now, I have not fact-checked anything in that opening statement, but he suddenly puts into bold-faced Letters. So believe me when I say from personal experience, there is no problem we can solve by working hard and working together. We cannot solve by working hard and working together. That's why I have never have and never will take a dime from special interest. That's his big thing. We're going to save Obamacare. 
Make sure everyone is guaranteed health care. And if you like your insurance, you'll be able to keep it. We're going to protect Social Security and Medicare and create good jobs with good wages. We're going to pass common sense gun safety reforms to keep our families safe. And we're going to finally take climate change seriously and fight to save the only planet we've got. But it all starts with beating Trump in 2020. So let's get it done. He said through his little serpent tongue that he has. Why do I say he has a serpent tongue? Because he kind of looks like a lizard. A little bit. Just a tiny bit? Hmm? No? I'm way off? Look. In the podcast picture today, I look like a happy bear in the forest next to a waterfall. Somewhere near Lake Siskiyou. Siskiyou. Siskiyou? Something like that. Up at the Lake Shasta area. Or above Lake Shasta in the Mount Shasta area. See that picture now at mikesdailypodcast.com. What do you think about all of this political stuff? You can call me 336-MM-DAILY. That's 3 plus 3 equals 6. MM as in Mike Matthews. Daily as in what this podcast has not been. Sorry. I was going to do one on Sunday and then lo and behold I found out I had Sunday off. So I got the heck out of cafe anyway and enjoyed my Sunday. And then Monday was nonsense. Complete craziness. I was completely tired. So could not do it. Could not muster it up. But we're outside a cafe anyway, somewhere in Podcastro Valley. Let's say hi to some people. Hello, Mike Matthews. It's Kelly. Two hearts, good job, supervisor. I like Bernie Sanders. You do? Yeah, Mike Matthews. I'm feeling the burn right now. Okay, that's great. Are they still using that slogan? That was really the, all the rage four years ago. I don't know if that's still the thing. I don't know, Mike Matthews. Whatever. Look who else is here. Hello, Mike. This is Floyd the Floorman. And this is John Deere, the engineer. Mike Bloomberg is very smart, Mike. Mm. Okay. He's not uh, some kind of lizard-type man? I don't know. I don't know him personally. Mm. Okay. Hey, apologies are a part of life, so I say I'm sorry. They're also a part of business. While a successful apology shows an acknowledgement of and responsibility for a problem, all too often we get them wrong. I'm sorry is more than just words. Uh, Take this. There's six components to any good apology, according to some guy at Ohio State University at their Fisher College of Business. This I read in the uh, Costco Connection magazine, which I read everything out of. I get all my information from that. So you don't have to get your information from anywhere else. Uh Six components to a good apology. An expression of regret, an explanation of what went wrong, an acknowledgement of responsibility, a declaration of repentance, an offer of repair, and a request for forgiveness. Then get really defensive. Nope, that doesn't work. Don't put that in there. The more of them you include of these uh, components, the better your odds of mending or preserving a relationship. What's the kiss of death for an apology? The phrase, I'm sorry if anyone was offended by what I said or did. That phrasing is completely empty, conveys a meaning, uh, conveys a meaning that is both underhanded and cynical, and shows neither empathy nor sincerity. When those components I mentioned are not weighted equally, 
And if language is not focused on, is not uh, taken care of, he says, we're so used to hearing political doublespeak involving too many words without meaning, uh, where it gets in the way of message and minimizes the apology. Empathy and timing are vital elements. The closer to the offense that you apologize, the more effective it is. That is what happened with the Dixie Chicks. They let that fester and fester and people got so mad. And then country radio stations pulled all their music. That's when they, you know, they said they were embarrassed by George Bush or something like that. Who even remembers what they said? We're, oh, we're, uh, we're ashamed that the president is from our state. Something to that effect. And then, yeah, they waited and waited and it got horrible. If you wait too long, it only gives the offended more time to stew in that juice. The closer to the offense that you apologize, the more effective it is. The end. Um, When people are stewing in that juice, that makes the apology less meaningful and less effective. The bottom line in all of this is that from Washington to Hollywood to the sports world, there are so many people apologizing for so much that the overall efficacy of the apology is being diminished. Unless it's a really... Timely, crafted, empathetic apology. Fascinating. And this guy, he's also a trust expert. He says an apology is important because the violation casts a shadow over victims' confidences in their own judgment, creating uncertainty and tension, which a well-crafted apology can actually help restore. That reflects on the individual's or business's character, and that is a long healing process which takes not only a well-crafted apology, but considerable action over a period of time, not just words. There you go. Thank you for that bit of insight, Costco. And there you go. That kind of had to do with politics, that show, and coleslaw, and lizards, and... Um... Sorry's be the hardest word on John song. Okay. Next show it'll be the wonderful Benita. That's right. The disgruntled fiddle player and the brewmaster. Enjoy your day. And if I don't get to another podcast tomorrow, yes, the show will still be daily because I will get around to it. I promise. That's my thing with this daily podcast thingy. Here it goes to the end. Take it to the bridge now. Mike's Daily Podcast is written and produced and performed by Mike Matthews. His podcast is super easy to find. Download or listen to his show and read his blog at mikesdailypodcast.com. Email Mike now at mikesdailypodcast at gmail.com. See you tomorrow. Bye.